You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast. It's Wednesday, December 5th, 2018, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave the show a good review on iTunes if you enjoy it. Well, I'll tell you, folks, one of these weeks we'll get back to a regular schedule, but because of a few... Uh, quirks in our schedule this week. We're going to do our mailbag show on Wednesday. It's our first mailbag show in a few weeks because two weeks ago we had Thanksgiving, which canceled our mailbag Thursday. And then last week there were a few scheduling issues which prevented us from doing a mailbag. So we'll do our first mailbag in since the middle of, since a few weeks, since the middle of November. These are questions from the comment section of gangreennation.com. Let's jump right in. First question, will it ever end? And I'm assuming it's the suffering for the Jets fan base. Uh, of course it will. Look, this team has not been well run in some time. You may argue decades, aside from a few years here or there, but of course it will. It'll get all the struggles eventually end in sports. If you you can watch, it goes from across leagues, across sports. There are teams that are run terribly for years, for decades, and they eventually get the right guys in place and figure it out and build a winner. So you know, do keep hope. I mean, will it happen soon? Certainly hope so. There are no guarantees. But yes, it will eventually end. That, that much I can tell you. Next question, edge rushers. What's the most important stat? Is it tackles for loss, quarterback hits, or sacks? Well, I think that it's kind of a combination. I think the most important stat, I think I'd combine all of those into, into like one kind of super stat because more often than not, what people look at are purely sacks, but sacks are not the only way you can evaluate a pass rusher. They're not the only indication of pass rushers having success because knocking a quarterback down also has value. First of all, if you're knocking a quarterback down, you're increasing the odds the pass is going to be incomplete. You are reducing the odds of, of a successful play. And those hits also add up, whether whether you're tackling them with the ball or without them, or you're just hitting them without the ball. Quarterbacks start to get jittery if they get hit enough. So Quarterback hits have uh, have their own important uh, importance, and also tackles for a loss. You know, sometimes we forget. One of the things I always like to write about are a stat I call run sacks, and it always seemed odd to me that if you tackle a quarterback who's dropping back on a passing play at the line of scrimmage or behind, you get credited with a sack. But nobody really cares when you you make a stop in the run game for either no gain or a loss. It's the exact. It's kind of the, the same thing but it doesn't have the same importance in the minds of a lot of football fans. So I think maybe we get, you combine all three of them into one stat. You combine tackles for loss, sacks, and quarterback hits into one, into one kind of super stat. I think that they all kind of tell a narrow picture. I also think that pressures are important, you know, kind of the dis- disruptions where you're not necessarily getting a hit, but you're moving a quarterback off his spot or you're forcing an early throw. Those also kind of destroy plays as well but those are a little more subjective so I think those those are a little trickier to, to say but I think you have to look at all of them I think too frequently the view is narrow is narrow you're looking at one of these numbers I think you look at all of them maybe combine them all into one number so I think they're all important I, I don't know that one's necessary I mean I guess sacks are the most important because they are the play that you know they tend to result in the biggest loss of yardage they they tend to destroy the play so if you're asking me I guess I, I I'm not going to cheat and you know give you not answer the question. I think it, which is the most important. Sacks are the most important, but sacks aren't everything. I think sometimes too much focus is put on sacks. The other thing about hits is typically, you know, if you're generating a lot of hits, 
they're they're eventually if you're generating a lot of pressures, you'll convert them into sacks. So maybe if a guy has a lot of sacks but he doesn't have a lot of hits or pressures, he's getting a little lucky, and what he's doing is not sustainable. On the other end of the spectrum, if a guy's getting a lot of hits and pressures but he's not getting a lot of sacks, odds are he's a little unlucky, and his sack numbers are going to go up. Not always. I mean, sometimes there are reasons for these things, but uh, these these are just things to consider. Next question. Many teams have a president of football operations and a general manager. The Jets do not. Their president, Neil Glad, is a business guy, not a football guy. Should the Jets appoint a real president of football operations who may or may not want to retain McCagnan? I'm assuming that the coaching staff, except maybe Brent Boyer, is toast. Well, I think that's, from at least as far as I understand, that's really just about the title. You know, I mean, uh, McCagnan has the role of... A lot of teams, what a lot of teams call the the vice president of football operations. So I'm not sure that it's necessarily. I think it's just a different title that the Jets have from what other teams have. You know, Neil Glad's a guy. Whenever the Jets are bad, and I'm not saying this questionnaire did not do this, but Neil Glad's a guy who always gets criticized. I, I always see him getting criticized in the among the fan base on Twitter, or other spots on the internet when the team's bad. I mean, Glad runs the business operation of the team. You know, that's, you know, people always say he's the business, well, he runs the business operation of the team. Every single team has a guy like Neil Glatt, where they're, they're in charge of the business operation. And on most teams, that, that guy is called the president. Again, we're just talking titles here, but if you, if you look from team to team, a lot of teams, it's the president who runs the business side of the operation. You know, he runs the money, does the marketing, things like that. So it's not that uncommon. It's not. It's not only it's not that uncommon. I mean, everybody has somebody like Neil Glad who runs the business side of the operation. He's not involved in the personnel moves. He's not involved in any of that. So I guess what this comes down to is the Jets just call Mike McCagnan the general manager. You know, other teams may call the, their their Mike McCagnan the vice president of football operations. As far as you know, delving deeper into the question, should the Jets hire somebody with the title vice president of football operations? who might keep Mike McCagnin kind of an extra layer on top of Mike McCagnin. And I, I say this is you either got to keep Mike McCagnin or you got to let him go because we saw this years ago when the Jets had Terry Bradway, their old GM, and they moved him into a different role and he, they kept him around when they transitioned into Mike Tannenbaum and then Mike Tannenbaum got fired and John Idzik came in and they still kept Bradway around, and it was just a mistake. You, you know, you don't want to do something like that. I just think it creates an awkward work environment when you have the predecessor in the room and he doesn't have the same power anymore. I think you either have to make a clean break or you have to continue on with McCagnin. And Honestly, you almost have to – I think if you're going to stay with McCagnin at this point, you almost have to give him an extension. And I'm not talking the extension last year. he got last year. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that's the, the extension Mike McCagnin and Todd Bowles got last year. It's probably the most one of the most overhyped things I've ever seen because it really did not make a big difference, especially for Bowles. I and mean, we're seeing the difference it made for Bowles. Bowles is getting fired, and McCagnin might as well. But Bowles is definitely getting fired. So we see how big of a deal. You know, everybody always, everybody who complains about those extensions, well, didn't really offer them any more job security. The Jets just decided they were bringing both of these guys back for 2018. So they took a distraction off the table because both those guys would have been in the last year of their contract. It would have been a topic of discussion. It would have been a constant distraction. So the justice said, you know, we'll just tack it a year or two on. We'll just tack, we'll just tack some time onto the, these contracts. So that way we don't have to hear about it every day. We can still fire these guys if we want to after at the end of the year. But that's, I think that's where the Jets are looking. I don't, I don't think you bring somebody in to oversee McCagnin. I think you either 
stay with McCagnan or you let McCagnan go. I think he's either got to be the guy running the operation or he shouldn't be around. Next question. If Nick Bosa is available at three and the Jets are picking, how much would it take to trade down? That's an interesting question. So I'm going to give you what my answer is today, December 5th. And my answer could change a month from now. It could change two months, three months, four months from now. And one thing I, I will emphasize, and I've said this before, is I'm not really at the point where I'm doing my evaluations of college prospects. I'm kind of going based on what people say, you know, what I'm hearing from people, what I'm reading smart people have to say. So keep that in mind. I, I At this point, when I watch college football, I'm just enjoying the game. I'm not really scouting any prospects. I've heard a lot of hype around Nick Bosa, though. I mean, lots of people in the scouting industry have suggested he might be even better than his brother, who is one of the preeminent pass rushers in the NFL. And you talk about one of the great pass rushers, one of the truly elite pass rushers in the league. That's one of the few types of players who may have the same kind of impact a quarterback has. So that's a pretty valuable commodity. So if I'm going to give that up, and look, I am a big proponent of the Jets trading down given their current situation, their current A, lack of talent, and B, lack of draft capital after the Sam Darnold trade. I'm a big proponent of trading down. But Bosa is like the one guy where I might question whether the Jets should trade down. So I would say just now, and this is just off the top of my head, again, I may change my mind as you know, I evaluate more guys, if maybe I don't think Bosa's as good as other people do, if maybe there are other guys out there who I think are close to Bosa, I may change my mind in the next few months. But right now, I would say I would need to get back into the second round this year and then maybe add a first-round pick next year. And, and I'm also presuming that I'm getting a first-round pick. You know, I'm, I'm trading down, so I'm getting a first-round pick from a team this year, maybe a second-round pick this year, and a first-round pick next year. So that's, I think that's where I'm at right now. You know, I could change my mind on that, but if you're asking me for for a firm trade offer, that's that's what that's the trade offer I'm making. That's probably what it's going to take for me. I'm going to need a bounty if Bosa is as good as he's as, as good as advertised. And I like to, I'm trying to answer these questions because I feel like sometimes I kind of get away without actually answering these questions. So I'm, I'm, you guys are putting me on the spot, so I'm trying to give you a real answer rather than kind of uh, talk my way around the question on this mailbag. Next question. Do we know if Chris Johnson has full authority authority to clean house, or is he just keeping Woody Johnson's seat warm? Well, here's what the Jets tell us. We don't really know, but here's what the Jets t- tell us. The Jets tell us that Chris Johnson's in charge. They've indicated that it was his call to give the, those extensions to Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles last year. Do we know whether they're telling the truth? No, we don't. There's plenty of speculation that you know it may actually be Woody who has to do this. Here's my thing, though. I mean, this is just my perspective on this is I don't see why the Jets would lie. If Woody is still making the calls, the Jets could just say Woody's still making the calls. Would any, would, what harm would be done by saying that? I don't really see what the difference would be. So I would presume that Chris Johnson has the authority to make the calls because that's what the Jets are telling us. And, you know, sometimes when a team is telling you something, you're skeptical that they're lying. What I always look to do is what incentive is there for the team to lie? And in many instances, there is an incentive for the team to lie. There are many instances, many circumstances where the team has plenty of incentive to lie, whether they're talking about you know, a personnel move that they may be making, whether they're talking about how happy they are with a guy that they may be trading. You know, they may be trying, like, for example, like last year with Bryce Petty, you know, you've heard that allegedly some teams were trying to trade for Bryce Petty. 
Well, I think that was pretty clearly a lie. I think the Jets were trying to feed that to the media because they were trying to drum up interest. They were trying to get some other team that may have had eyes on Petty if he was cut to give up a pick. You know, some team may have, you know, if you're a team that was looking at Bryce Petty, you say, you say, well, the Jets cut him, we'll pick him up. And you hear in the media, some teams made an offer to the Jets for a trade. You may say, well, gee, we can only get Petty if we trade for him. So, you know, there are instances where a team has incentives to lie about something. I don't really see what the incentive is for the Jets to lie about Chris Johnson being in charge, about Chris Johnson having the authority. So my guess is that it's Chris Johnson. That's what the Jets keep telling us. And I mean, if, the, if it was Woody, why wouldn't they just say it's Woody? So that's I guess that's my view on it. Next question. What will it take for McCagnan to be fired? Do you believe the media when they say his job is safe? Do you think he will have one extra year? When will this franchise learn? Well, I'll tell you something. And... The media, it's amazed me the, the free pass McCagnon's gotten from the media. I, I mean, and you know what, what amazes me the most is you look at some of these articles that have been written recently in the media, and essentially the topic of the article, the main gist of the article has been McCagnon's doing a bad job. Now the Jets need to give him more power. It's almost, you read some of these articles, you're like, what? Are you, are you kidding me? Uh, but I will say this is I think that this. Fr- Ownership is going to have a really tough time keeping McCagnin if the Jets go 3-13, and 4-12. and 12. So I'm not totally convinced that McCagnin stays. I think a lot of these articles have been written with the idea that Jets would have a respectable finish to the season. And I think that sometimes, I think another issue when you're judging these things is you take a look at where, where things stand right now instead of where things will look at the end of the year. If this team finishes 3-13, and 13, I mean, how can anybody argue that there's enough talent on this? I'm sorry. At some point, it's not just about coaching. If this team you know, loses... Now, if the Jets win a couple games, maybe that saves McCagnin's job. But I think Bowles is gone either way. I think Bowles is unredeemable at this point. But at some point, you know, you're four years into your regime. You went 5-11 and two years ago. You went 5-11 and last year. This was supposed to be your year. You You got your quarterback in there. You had your... Free, you brought in some big ticket free agents. You had a lot of cap space. Even if this was not the year where you were saying you were going to the playoffs, I don't know how you can possibly sell a 3 and 13, 4 and 12 type season when, again, you brought in your quarterback and you were able to add some of your some key free agents you targeted. So, I mean, I think we get, we're getting to a point where I'm not totally sold on the idea of McCagden's back the way the media is. And the media is really seems to be. A lot of people in the media, first of all, seem to be just giving him a free pass for everything. But second of all, they seem to be convinced that he's coming back. Well, I mean, at some point, this team doesn't win enough games. I mean, I think they're going to have to make a, a bigger ticket move. And I would also say that I think it complicates the coaching search if McCagnin's still around. Because now you got a guy, enter, a GM entering his fifth year who has not made the playoffs. So is that in the, if you're a head coaching candidate, do you want to hitch your wagon to a GM who may be fired next year, and then you all have a new GM coming in who didn't hire you, I mean, that that makes the coaching search, search a lot trickier. Not to mention, you know, some of the big fish coaches who are going to want to say over personnel. McCagnin's running this team. Just probably can, you know, kiss their chances of getting one of those guys goodbye. So I think keeping McCagnin around just really unnecessarily complicates things for a guy who, let's be honest, has really not done a very impressive job running this team. Our next question deals with Jets free agents here on this Mailbag Wednesday edition of the Locked on Jets podcast. Are there any Jets 
upcoming free agents you want to resign, or is this the perfect opportunity to turn the page and move on? Sometimes a losing culture just needs to go. Well, it's not just a losing culture. It's the fact that this team just doesn't have many good players. So a lot of these guys who are free agents just are not going to be worth keeping. I mean, there are a few guys I'd be interested in keeping. I mean, I'd be interested in keeping the kicker. Now, I'm not I'm not paying the kicker a ton of money, but I mean, if you can keep him at a, at a relatively reasonable rate, I mean, I wouldn't object to bringing him back. Now, he's very liable to fall back to earth. Now, I mean, I mean, the one thing I will say about him is, has he become the best kicker in the league or is he just on a hot streak? probably more of a hot streak so i mean i'm not going crazy to keep him he's not a, he's not a must keep by any stretch of the imagination but wouldn't be upset keeping the kicker um aside from that i mean there are a few guys uh, i'd be interested in keeping i think quincy and was a guy the jets should really look into re-signing i i would stretch to keep a nun was a guy i would pay a little extra money to keep just because at least early early on in the season it felt like he and sam darnold were developing good chemistry and boy the, the jets need some weapons around sam um, Henry Anderson's had a pretty good year. I, I'd keep him. I think Robbie Anderson. I wouldn't let Robbie Anderson walk for nothing. I'd at least try and get something. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, which means the Jets can tender him. They give him, give him a cheap one-year contract and at least retain his rights. Even if you want to trade him, you can at least get something for him. So that's a guy I'd like to keep. I mean, aside from that, though, I mean, there, there really are not a lot of guys who I think are part of this team's foundation going forward. I may keep Bilal Powell. I know he's getting older, but I think he's a good weapon to have. And I, I, I mean, it's still, I still think he's an effective player. I know most people seem, seem to think he's on his way out. I, I would not object to keeping Bilal Powell another year or two. I mean, it's not it, again. The Jets need some weapons on offense, and Powell's still a good player. So I mean, I'm not. I you know, everybody seems to assume he's gone. I wouldn't mind keeping him. That, that's another guy. But yeah, I mean, most guys. I mean. Every week I see people say, I mean, how many, five or six players you'd want to keep on this team right now? So I, I, the vast majority of them I'd probably let walk through that door. Next question, why is this rebuild taking five years while most NFL teams rebuild in less? Do you feel no action is taken this year? If, if no action is taken this year, it's because Chris Johnson does not have the ability to clean house. If so, this tenure never had a timeline to win. Just stay in place until Woody came back. Well, the reason it's taking five years, the Jets have just botched it. I mean, it takes two to three years to totally over to totally turn over your roster, and everybody on this team has now either been brought in by Mike McCagnan or the few players McCagnan inherited, who are still here, have been re-signed. So this is McCagnan's team. He's had a chance to turn everything over. So it's kind of that's the thing is it's not a five. It does not take five years in the other sports. It may take five years. In other sports, you have to be more patient. The NFL it does not take five years. The Jets are here because bad drafting, bad free agent signing, bad personnel decisions, bad contracts, bad everything. And you know, if it hasn't been, if it hadn't been this bad, this would not be a three and nine football team. And that's as simple as it. That's it's that simple. And you know something, this front office can sell the story that this is part of a massive rebuild all at once. You know, they can they can tell you it takes time. It doesn't take this much time. They're just trying to sell a narrative to you know buy themselves more time. It doesn't take this long. It wouldn't have taken this long if they'd been if they had done a more effective job, and that's just all there is to it. That's the way the NFL worked. The NFL is a quick turnaround league. You draft players, they come in immediately. They don't go to the minor leagues like they do in baseball. You cut players, they're off your books. They're not contracts aren't guaranteed. It doesn't take that long to turn things around in the NFL. Um, as far as 
if no action is taken this year, does, does that mean Chris Johnson doesn't have the ability to clean house? Well, again, I think, you know, the Jets have told us, uh, I go back to what I said, I don't see what incentive there would be to lie. So I, I think he does have the ability to clean house. Question is, will he? I'm not sure. Next question. If the Jets fire McCagden and the new GM comes in willing to trade Darnold as if he didn't draft him, what would fan reaction be? I think fan reaction would be very upset. I think fan reaction would be terrified that Darnold's going to go somewhere else and play great because that's what happens with every Jets player. That's what happens with terrible Jets young players. There are horrible Jets young players and people are convinced they're going to go to New England and be great. I mean, how many times was Mark Sanchez going to be the guy that replaced Brady? Geno Smith was going to leave and, and uh, show us. Quentin Copels was going to go somewhere else. Some team was going to know to use him on the defensive line. He was going to be great. Calvin Pryor was going to be used in the box. He was going to show us. Stephen Hill was going to develop into a great deep. So, I mean, guys who are terrible, when they leave, people are convinced. They, the years and years of terrible play doesn't convince people that these guys stink. So one year of Darnold where, I mean, it's been down, up and down, but one year of Darnold, people will be going nuts because they'll think they just traded the best you know, the next great quarterback. And, I mean, look, it's not going to happen. I think Darnold is a selling point, if anything, for a new GM. You'll already have a quarterback in place and a new coaching staff. I think I think Darnold's more of a selling point. But, I mean, look, nobody's going to come in and trade Darnold unless they, are, unless they have a new quarterback in hand. So Darnold's going to be here. But, yeah, I mean, I think people would lose their minds because it wouldn't, wouldn't really make much sense. And people lose their minds when bad players are traded. So they trade Sam Darnold. I mean, I think you can forget about it. That's our show for today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave it a good review in iTunes. Hope you have a great Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow.